Okay. Hey, Michael, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for joining me. Um, so I'm excited to talk to you about virtual fundraising. Um, but first, why don't you tell me how are you doing? I know you just had a gala. I'm sure it's like a relief, but how, how are you just feeling overall right now in our post-COVID life? Pretty good. Pretty good, all things <laughs> considered. Yeah, I am happy we got a big uh, fundraising event under our belt, a big virtual event that we'll talk about here. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of pre-event question marks and how do we do this and how do we do that? And so that's what we'll discuss a little bit. But yeah, in general, it's good. So I'm already like shifting gears to year-end fundraising and what are we going to do on social? Can you believe Never. it? We're in September. I mean, I know. it's come, like the event season is here, I feel like, because it's just in the nature, in the calendar of nonprofits, like this is the time where a lot of them ramp up for the end of the year giving and galas and events. So it's going to be an interesting, interesting event season. Yes. Uh, <laughs> to say the least, right? Right. Um, yeah. I feel, yeah. The last six months are like the slowest and longest period of time in my life. Um, yeah. Because each, each individual day feels really slow, maybe. But now we're six months into COVID and, whoa, we're already at year end. Right. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your role. Your, you know, you're in development and maybe how long you've been with the organization and uh, and maybe and then a little background, just your career nonprofit. Yeah. Um, well, so I work for Santa Fe Kids, Orange County. Uh, our mission as an organization is to end the cycle of youth homelessness. Um, so we work with uh, youth and young adults ages 12 to 24 to get them off the streets, um, both to get them off the streets and to prevent them from ever ending up on the streets um, in the first place. So I'm the director of development with the Orange County chapter. And so my role is to bring organizational awareness, um, be the communications, marketing, fundraising um, person, advocate um, for the organization. Um, I've been in the role for a year, uh, just over, just over a year. Uh, I've got about three years of nonprofit experience total. Uh, I used to be an engineer, a civil structural engineer. Um, Interesting. So, yeah. So I got a master's in structural engineering and worked as an engineer for 10 or 12 years and just made a big life change at the beginning of 2018 to go in the nonprofit world. And here we go, here we are three years later. Uh, and that's that's how yeah. I met you was through 1OC originally. Yes. Uh, you were my instructor for some some class some of training. some sort. Some training uh, over there that I did, yeah. And you yeah. were there for, you were with Wells of Life at the time, correct? Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, so I used 1OC as my platform to get educated on the nonprofit world. So I, basically did a cram session with a year of 1OC through the uh, Champions for oh, Changemakers. Yes, yes, my yeah. signature program. I was so proud of that. Yeah, yeah. it's an awesome program. Uh, we got sponsored by Pam Hedges, um, who's okay. a board member. Yes, uh, I remember. Yeah, uh, so she is awesome and got us a bunch of awesome training. Um, yeah. So. What a great testimonial for them right now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, one of the training and then that 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 um 
collaboration and merging of two missions. You know, uh, I mean, Pam was an individual. She was an individual board member that believed in professional development. I think her background, like she was in the HR world. So she definitely, I know, was all about professional development. And uh, and so she, when she got the opportunity to pretty much sponsor an organization for training for a whole year, that's what she did. And and here's the product right in front of us. So what a great story, all for a full circle. And now you're making an impact with Stand Up For Kids. Um, and it's homelessness, so serving homelessness. Give us a little bit of background of um, homelessness landscape, specifically around youth in Orange County. Yes. So it is something that, I don't know, maybe the general public isn't as aware of as for the size of the issue that it actually is. Um, so there is approximately 31,000 at-risk and homeless youth in Orange County. Um, wow. In the, in the age demographic 12 to 24 that are students in the student population. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a rough estimate based on data from um, college and university surveys, as well as OC Board of Education, McKinney-Vento, um, stats. Um, okay. So, and McKinney Vento is a federal act from the 70s or 80s that basically expands the definition of homelessness um, beyond sleeping under the stars. Um, so, it's yes. a, a home stress environment uh, where they might be living in a car or a motel room or a overloaded apartment. Mm-hmm multiple families, et cetera. And so our mission encompasses that population as well as the sleeping under the stars population. Um, so okay. it's a it's a population that is like hard to, I mean, we, I just quantified it, but it's also kind of a transient population. Um, and there's the pit counts, uh, point in time counts that the county does uh, for homelessness every two years. And it's hard to find our kids during that count. Yeah. Um, So that's one of kind of the struggles is like quantifying and actually seeing the need um, that's there. Got it. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, even in um, listening to one of your podcasts in the virtual gala, I thought it was interesting when Carlia shared that uh, the other reason why it's harder to identify is because as youth, I think they don't want to be, they like, they're very, very conscientious of how they look and like, they actually don't want to draw attention because they know that it could, it could, it's really bad if they're caught being homeless, like they'd send them somewhere or so, so they're really trying to mask the fact that they're homeless by keeping clean and finding ways to clean their clothes. And I didn't think about that, you know, that the um, level of, there's shame, but then there's also this fear of actually being caught being homeless as an underage uh, person. Yeah. And that I, well, I don't, I'm not the, what I've been in the field for a year. And so I'm not the expert on Orange County homelessness by any stretch, but I feel like at least in some cities that that is changing at least a little bit. Right. Yeah. Uh, I I know Costa Mesa specifically, um, I think, yeah, I don't know. Don't quote me on this, but they, there is a 
there is a law or a statute or a something that um, if used to just you could basically arrest somebody for being homeless. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you have to have a place for them to go. Yes. Um, so you need to have a shelter or a place that you can transfer someone who mm-hmm. is homeless. Um, yeah. And so Costa Mesa specifically, because I, I talked to a city councilman, um, they have a shelter that is, that is doing just that. Um, yeah. So they are, and then once they get into that shelter, they are doing active things to try to uh, help that person and get them right. back on their feet. Um, right. Yeah. There's lots of, uh, I know lots of programs out there for different types of homeless, you know, par- target populations. And I, I think it's, it's uh, like you said earlier, a lot of people don't realize how large the youth population is um, that it's growing and define youth really quick, just so you know, people know for your age category, it actually extends beyond 18, correct? Yeah. So we, we say youth, which is confusing to a lot of people, I'm sure, but because we go from 12 to 24. Got it. Um, and t- 18 to 24 has a different nomenclature that, they, that we call transitional aged youth or TAY. So T-A-Y. So if you hear the term TAY youth, um, that's the 18 to 24 range. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we we categorize the 12 to 18 population as kind of our at-risk or McKinney-Vento population. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's get into more of uh, your world and this, um, you know, post-COVID virtual fundraising life, which I know so many nonprofits are constantly um, grappling with, you know, before it was like cancel, not cancel, postpone, what's going to happen. And then some just went for it. And I think you're a great example of an organization that just went for it, not knowing what was going to happen. And so let's just do it. So we're going to talk about two events that you've done already um, since March, since COVID hit Um, your virtual run back in was June um, and then the virtual gala, which just happened a couple days ago. Um, And I'm really excited to get into the nitty gritty of, how those came to be, um, how they, you know, uh, how they went, and then the success of them. Um, before we get into that, tell us how important these events are to your your budget. Um, are you primarily are you primarily uh, living off of these types of events, or you have a good makeup of you know government individual uh, funds? Yeah, well, uh, we're. I mean, we're pretty well diversified, actually. Um, the gala, uh, this is the third annual event. And so the first two were, they're, they're our biggest fundraiser of the year. Um, so taking this really nice physical extravaganza and then mm-hmm. not being able to execute that um, as a physical event and kind of morphing that into a, a virtual entity was, mm-hmm. I mean, it's big priority. Like these are big, um, special events. I don't know, maybe like 25% of our overall budget would be special events over the course of the year. Um, and as you know, um, these types of events are places where you can bring new people into the fold. So, um, new supporters, it's a, it's a great way to raise organizational awareness. Right. Um, Yes. And I, I, I agree. I think that's what the biggest miss is, is how do you um, engage with the donor 
over camera, you know, or video, you can maybe see, you know, thanks to social media, um, you can see who's watching and see like, oh, I don't know that name. Like, how do we connect with them? Um, but it's always more personal when you're in the room. So uh, I, I definitely hear you. It's the the galas are really meant for stewarding. Um, obviously, you want to make money too, but it's really that opportunity to bring new faces to your mission and to invite them. Um, but I've seen some amazing stories come from the virtual as well, because social media, you know, there's it's easier to share. It's easier to get into those algorithms. So um, I'm sure that played a part. So yeah. let's start with the let's start with the virtual run. So was that the, was this your first year? Well, have you had a run in the past, and it just had to turn virtual, or was this literally brand new? Yeah. So let me maybe I'll even back up just a little bit further too. Okay. Um, so to the like 2020 fundraising plan, like, hey, what are we going to do this year, and how's that all going to work? Yeah. Uh, so we set that up in at the end of 2019 to say, okay, here's what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. Uh, and then March hits and that, like you might as well just throw it all up in the air and see what happens. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and actually in another event that we got involved in that we, I didn't, we didn't really talk about, but the help them home campaign. Oh, uh, that's right. I forgot you were part of that. So yeah. we did a first, we were the first time, a first timer in that. Uh, virtual giving day or online giving day from Anaheim Community Foundation. Um, so that was kind of our actually our first thing that we did this year from a special event perspective. Um, so that was that went really well and um, it was nice uh, getting to meet and uh, interact with all the other leaders across the homelessness space in Orange County. So that was yeah. really cool and uh, we there had a were, successful. There were nineteen of you, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we had and a really I'm, successful event there, um, yeah. which was a question mark too. Like, hey, we haven't done this before. I'm not sure quite how this mm -hmm. is going to go. But um, the, the ACF and the leadership of that giving day did a really great job of yes. giving you the materials and the plans. And there was lots of meetings and they made it really easy to have success um, on that. What did, what did that do? I'm curious for your social media, because that was 100% online and 19 and i remember it it was it was april correct yeah. and it was just for a whole week i just remember because i follow a lot of the organizations i just kept seeing the same visual logo on it you know like popping up all over the place w what did that do for your following yeah so we have a relatively small following Mm -hmm. in general that we're that we definitely have initiatives to try to build on and so that it definitely gave us a bump i wouldn't say it was like a like a like a gigantic yeah change in our following but it was definitely a really nice push and all the sharing that happened across organizations was really cool yeah because um, it you know you might think hey you're all in the same industry you're all competing for the same donor dollars but um nobody in that 19 organization coalition had that mindset that. So yeah that's cool. good yeah. yeah i heard it was the most successful giving day that orange county community foundation has had 1.7 million overall yeah. raised and crushed it. and for it being a month after the pandemic had happened i think it was a, a great 
a great, um, inspiring story and moment for all of us in the nonprofit sector. Because I think at that point, we were all worried about what does this mean for funding? What people are going to hold on to their money because they don't know what's going to happen in the future. And so for it to super exceed the expectations and the goals was very uplifting, I think. Yeah, that was cool. That was like a harbinger of goodness. Yes, yes. Okay, so moving forward. So yeah, giving day and then what else? Yeah, so then, so then I mean, the, the 2020 plan says, hey, we're going to do a physical 1K, 5K uh, in July. Okay. Um, and it's going to be kind of a new donor type of event. Um, but, you know, we're obviously all of our existing donor base is invited and whatever, but it, would, it was going to be kind of an opportunity to reach out to some other avenues, like schools and churches maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously with COVID, then those two populations just like closed up shop. Yeah. Um, and then obviously having a physical event that we were, you know, it was the first annual event. It had never been done before for our organization. I have done it a couple times in the past with okay. like other organizations mm-hmm. and had success. So I knew what the formula was. Um, yeah. So I felt you know, it's a new donor base and a new population. So I got to catalyze them and get them excited. Um, yeah. But I think it seemed doable. So we had targets of how many attendees we wanted to have. and okay. uh, But it was, it was going to be way too many for what would have been deemed access- acceptable um, in this COVID environment. So, so we took it virtual then at that point. So we had about three months of planning probably as it being a physical event and how we're going to market it and promote it. And what's the social media campaign going to look like. Um, And then we had to spend a month and redo everything for this virtual um, theme. So we ended up, what we ended up doing was basically like a three month ongoing, like wellness campaign was kind of the idea. Like, uh-huh. hey, we're all kind of suffering. We're all sitting in our upstairs bedroom on our Zoom all day long. <laughs> and we need a reason to get outside. Yes. So we're going to do this virtual elongated campaign. And mm-hmm. we're going to, it's going to be a fundraiser, but it's also going to be a mileage challenge. Um, or, okay. And it was, it was a walk, run, uh, get outside type of a thing. And on a weekly basis, we're going to tally up mileage and give away prizes for most walks or runs, most mileage, coolest picture. Uh, we tried to, you know, make it fun and make yeah. it this ongoing thing that gave people a reason to get outside in the midst of COVID. Right. Um, three months. That's a so. What, how did three months get chosen? Have you had you seen it done before? Or were you just being mindful of like engagement? Like what? Any reason for how for the how long that was? Or or and would you do it again that that long? Yeah, it's a great question. So I would say no, it's too long. Uh, <laughs> probably, I don't know exactly. There, there's different tr- schools of thought on a virtual run. So. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of virtual runs are just, hey, on this day, one single day, we're going to go run a 5K or we're going to run a 10K or we're going to run a half. Um, We went a campaign route uh, and, you know, the COVID idea was in there as a 
hey, we want to be a support system and build a community. Um, but I think it was too long. It's, you know, even if we were going to go that route, maybe it's in six to eight week event in the mm -hmm. future. Um, but what we ended up doing at the end is pivoting it into more of the traditional virtual event. So we okay. we set we set the last day of the event, which was July 18th, as the all right. This is our actual run day, and we're we aimed for 300 miles cumulative on that day um, as a as a group, and so we. We had a Strava, we, had, we used Strava, which is a mileage, um, whatever, it's like map my run. So it, it, yeah. it, you press go when you start walking or running and then you press stop when you're done and it tallies your mileage and over time it counts how many miles you gave, cumulative. And so we did, uh, we did prizes on a weekly, monthly and entire event basis based on mileage and number of yeah. walks and things like that. Uh, and then, yeah, that last day we did 300 miles. So then all day long we were um, saying, hey, we're at 50 miles. Hey, we're at 100 miles. All right, yeah. get out and run for me. Um, okay. And then we were doing the same thing from a fundraising basis. Okay. Uh, and how did you communicate with them? Was it through Strava? Was that the technology? Um, or ex explain Strava first. What did Strava accomplish for you? Yeah, Strava was really – it was it – was, it, it has a means for communication – but it was really kind of just the tabulator of mileage and okay. data around running and walking. Okay. Um, so, so when I signed up for the event, I had to get a Strava account then, correct? Yeah. And it wasn't a have to, it was a, if you want to. Um, oh, okay. So we, you know, you want, we wanted to be as inclusive as possible. So, Hey, not going to mandate that you need to have this app, but that's kind of what the fun of being in this campaign mm -hmm. is, is to yeah. participate in that piece. Um, so we maybe had like half of the overall um, attendees really kind of grab onto Strava, maybe half didn't. Um, asking people to download an app and record mileage and whatever, there's work involved. And so some people are like, you know what, I like to run, but I don't bring my phone with me or yeah. whatever. And so we didn't want to, didn't want to like pigeonhole anybody and yeah, mandate it. And so trying to make it fun. So then it was email. So we had all the participants email. And so they got a weekly email that okay. tried to keep it fun and upbeat. Um, so then what was the technology used for registration and donor and was that all in one or were there multiple other technologies that you had to use? Yeah. So we used a platform, uh, it's called owhatfund.com. Uh, okay. and, and so it's, it's, it's kind of like a GoFundMe, um, page. It offered, it offered the, the opportunity to take a large group. Um, it's, it's, it's O H W H A T F U N D. Oh, what o fun. Got it. Yeah. So it's a play on Christmas. Love it. <laughs> um, and it, so it, it was a, it's an event platform that could both do donations and registrations and you could kind of like um, break into teams. Uh, and so the goal was, hey, there's the Mike Olson team or the Olson family team, and we were going to try to get as many runners and walkers and fundraise um, as much as we could, and that would go into this 
bucket, and then that bucket obviously transfers up to the overall event bucket. Um, okay. So getting companies, schools, churches to all create their own buckets and do their own little fundraiser um, that works towards this greater goal. Um, and we have a uh, our Journey to Self-Sufficiency program, which is our 18 to 24, uh, take a youth off the streets and get them into a stable situation um, program. Um, the the budget or the cost of that program is about $1,500. Um, and so that was kind of a target fundraising goal that teams could aspire to. Mm -hmm. um, try to raise 1500 bucks, and you can take one kid off the streets and put them through our journey to self-sufficiency program. Okay. Um, so then, nice. yeah, the, we ended up, yeah, we ended up taking 20 kids off the streets with oh, nice at the end of the day so your overall goal i really i believe it was thirty thousand for this event and yeah. how did you do uh we, we got there on the day of on the day uh, of it's always on the day of right yeah it might have been the day after actually uh but yeah it's always like right on the brink yes uh, which is life as a fundraiser i feel like in some and did you have any um, sponsorships for this event or matching donors? Or was this all straight, just you started at zero and raised a brand new $30,000? Yeah, I mean, it basically started from zero and we brought a couple of companies in. Um, okay. So United Health and Seabreeze Management Company were two um, entities that brought a bunch of runners and they did a big chunk of fundraising for oh, the event. Okay. Um, it sounds like a great corporate, um, a, a corp, good corporate wellness kind of program activity, given the times that we're in, um, because it can be a way for their corporate team members to stay connected if they're working from home, but then also give to a cause. So I, I could see it really growing in that space. Yeah, it has the potential that, for that, for sure. Um, and so that's going to be like what future... The future question is, is it virtual or is it physical moving forward? Um, yeah. There's flexibility in virtual, but there's kind of the uh, tangibility of physical. And, yeah. Um, did, um, did this help inspire new donors? Did it increase your individual giving, you know, li donor list? How did it do for you in that those areas? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was another incremental step in bringing mm -hmm. new people in. Uh, yeah. So it's 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 utilizing all of, you know it, it's it's going after it's giving an opportunity to kind of a new population of running people that we've mm -hmm. never tried to really target before. Um, so it brought in some of those. It brought, you know it, it's always a it's always a mix, right? You get your hardcore. Yeah supporters that are going to do whatever you do because um, yeah. they're awesome um and then you know it's there's some crowd there's it's it's a crowdfunding type of a campaign yeah. so friends tell friends and other friends tell other friends and it kind of grows organically um right and then year over year hopefully then next year all the people all the new people that came this year will now then extend the audience a little bit further and a little bit further that's good. And so what about your board? What 
type of role did your board play in this particular event, given that it was brand new, it was during COVID and, you know, everything was changing. Um, how did they show up or how did they need to show up during this time? Yeah. Yeah. So the board is a, was a key player in kind of all of these initiatives. Mm -hmm. um, board members had teams and had, you know, the health and home campaign had individual fundraisers as well. Uh, and so we had board members in, in all of these campaigns. Yeah. Um, and so it was a, it was kind of a balance. Like some board members would do these two and not this one, or, and some did all three and some really were gala focused because <laughs> yeah, and all of these are new things for the organ. Most of these are new things for the organization, except the gala. Um, and so the, the board, one of their driving, one of their main fundraising things is the gala. Um, mm -hmm. So that's where they really always come and step up. And so we added some extra things, extra reasons for them to step up this year, and they did. Uh, and so it was really mm -hmm. cool to see that engagement. Well, cool. Well, that's a, a good segue. Let's talk about that then. Let's talk about the gala. Um, so this was last last thursday last thursday okay so it just just happened fresh in yeah. the brain um so let's start with what did this used to look like <laughs> what was it supposed to look like right so if we go back to the beginning of 2020 this is going to be an april event that is physical um it's in costa mesa uh at the chuck jones center uh it's about 200 people it's got an MC. It's got, you know, it's got the gala components. It's got food and yeah. drink and um, asking and MCs and music and photo booths and fun. Uh, and the board uh, drives a lot of the attendance. So we ask our board members to um, purchase a table or get us a table of 10 people to come to the thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so... I mean, in March for an April, yeah. So it's going to be in April and in March. I mean, we, you know, the writing was on the wall and, or not the writing was on the wall, right. but, you know, things were starting to happen in January. So yeah. in January, you start to get a little nervous. February, mm -hmm. you get a little more nervous. Um, and we, you know, had lots of meetings at that time of like, oh my God, what are we going to do? This is our biggest fundraiser of the year. Right we really need this event. How, how are we going to do it? Uh, and eventually it was basically out there that, you know, it was not safe to do a, yeah. do what we wanted to do. So at that point we kind of put it on pause and said, Hey, we can, we're going to, and I think a lot of organizations kind of had to do this and decide like, yeah. okay, is this going to go away and, six weeks and then we can do it in in july or june or august or september or like what's that gonna look like uh and then as the months went on by i think about june we said you know what the likelihood of this of us being able to do a physical thing before year end is slim and none uh, right and so we wanted to still have an opportunity to engage our donors. Um, and we had done a lot of good stuff 
And so, the, you know, and it's our 30 year, 30th year as an organization. Um, yep. So this is actually going to be like this really special event yeah. um, for us to kind of really toot our own horn um, for being around for 30 years and all the impacts that we've made. And um, we've, you know, on social, we've, we've done a lot of stories about past youth and um, like our, our IT guy right now, he was a youth in our program in 1996 or 1994. Oh, wow. So he was like, we founded in 1990. He came along in 1994 to 1996, had some separation time, but he's literally been like with the organization forever. We helped him get his life together way back when. Um, and now he's our director of IT and is like Johnny on the spot and gets all kinds of great stuff done for us. And so he had a really, a we told his story. Yeah. yeah we, we told his story and we wanted him to come to our physical gala and, whatever so there's all these really cool things that we want to share um, yes and of course it's a fundraiser and we need the money for our kids so right. um so then you, we oh. went into all right we're gonna go virtual <laughs> what does that mean yeah what the heck is that <laughs> and what do you do with that uh so then you do the research phase of mm-hmm. what is it how do you do it um and what did that look like? What did that entail? Like, how, how would you say your committee shifted um, and and how did your mentality shift to going virtual? Yeah, so it turns into a little more of a technical mm. thing and a tangible thing, like flowers and centerpieces and decorations and that doesn't matter really anymore um so you you now need a guy who knows how to press buttons on the internet uh, or or a team of those people that can yeah uh, make it happen and you need you need video and sound and all the all the techie stuff uh and that really wasn't we so we have a gala committee but nobody's really that techie on that committee. So, uh, so how are we going to do it? So how long is it going to be? When's it going to be? What are the components that make it up, make it up? Uh, so we had lots of meetings about what does it look like? Um, and then you get zoom fatigue as a concept that, uh, you're not really thinking about in June necessarily because it's hasn't been that long yet but now we're in july august september and you're like oh man our regular gala would have been it's a four hour long event it's from seven to eleven um i don't think people are going to stick around that long in the virtual space so how do we condense it uh what's what's the most important pieces that need to come through right Uh, and so then you start figuring that out. Like what are, you know, we ended up with like 10 components that were like, okay, these 10 things need to happen over the course of this time period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you start looking at other examples of galas, both good and bad and tips and tricks and uh, try to bring the most engaging product that you can. Yeah. Um, and like you said, with social, so that the, there's lots of downsides to virtual 
gala from a ambiance and atmosphere and emotions aspect that you can't create. Yeah. You, you can try, but you're not going to. Right. It's, it's an uphill battle versus a physical ooh, feel good situation. Um, so you do everything you can to try to generate that in a virtual space, but it's hard. Yeah. Um, but on the other side of the fence, you do have the ability to reach out to a much, much wider audience yeah. that, that wasn't going to buy a $150 ticket to sit at the table. But for a free event that's on Facebook and they're on Facebook every day anyway. So yeah. what the heck? I'll, I'll check them out. Um, right. Well, especially so, if in social media, I mean, uh, I, I jumped into your um, Facebook feed uh, for a little bit and it, it's, it's powerful when you are tagging people or you're um, encouraging people to share and like, and it, I mean, algorithms are a real thing and they work to your advantage. You know, they're a little scary sometimes, um, but they can work to your advantage and so you guys were on Facebook and YouTube. So were you using something that streamed simultaneously at the same time? Or did you have to like be on two separate platforms to do that? Yeah. Okay. So the, so the linchpin in the success of this event, having not a lot of technical expertise was getting a person who had that. Um, okay. And so we found a volunteer, Rick Moscoso, who deserves a lot of credit for the success of this event. Um, and he uses a platform called StreamYard. That's StreamYard.com. Um, and it it allows you to produce event, produce online events and, and live stream them to multiple platforms at once. Um, StreamYard? So StreamYard, S-T-R-E-A-M-Y-A-R-D. Okay. Uh, and so, so it had a studio, it had a virtual studio that we could all, um, it's actually, it's one word, I think. Um, oh, okay. Um, I'm sure if you Google but, it, it'll come up. Yeah, Google it. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's, it's, a, it's a platform that allowed you to hook right into your YouTube, Facebook, and probably other platforms as well. Um, okay. And what the cool thing is you can control the comments um, oh. for your event as well, right through that one spot. Um, so we had, we had Rick in the studio. We had my computer in the studio. That was actually the video and audio for the okay. event. Uh, and then we had um, team members that were the moderators for the social media platforms um, okay. that were running all of the stuff. You keep, there. Saying, you keep saying the studio. So were you all in the same room? Were you all still virtual? Was this yeah, like so a, was, a, it's a room? <laughs> There was a physical studio, but what I'm talking about is a virtual studio. Um, okay. So, so it's, it's, it's like the platform that we are on right now. Um, okay. Uh, but there's people off screen and people on screen and, Okay. Um, it's kind of the the bullpen, this virtual bullpen for people executing the event. Okay. Um, gotcha. So you could see, like, you know, right now I can see you in the stream, but then I see things underneath that I can bring in on pause or they're on standby. Now, 
how about while this is all going on, are you guys also physically all all together or were you also doing this in your respective homes? Yeah. So, well, and that, that gets to kind of the structure of the event. So it was a, we ended up landing on about a one hour event uh, and mm -hmm. we did a 30 minute pre-show and we'll have to admit, we'll have to put a, a link to it. Yeah, sure. This, uh, feed. Uh, <laughs> um, but and it was it was basically a bunch of pre-recorded segments. Uh, I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying that because uh, you nope. can tell pretty easily when you watch it. Uh, yeah. And then there was a live MC, and so there there was two live people that were. One was the MC who hosted the event and mm -hmm. kind of led everybody through and yeah. talked it out. And then there was um, another person who did the fund and need. Yes, Chadi. Um, so right, that was Chadi. Nishant and Shadi, so two of our advisory board members, um, mm -hmm. they they were the live on-air talent um, in the physical studio that was at my house. Oh, <laughs> okay, um, great. And then yeah. and then you had pre-recorded videos. I'm assuming those were like from your donors or from like the thank yous and the stories. So those were all pre-recorded that you kind of just played when it was time to go. Yep. Um, okay. So yeah, so we had some, we had past youth, current youth, um, some corporate supporters, um, staff, um, kind of all the pieces and parts that you would likely have in mm -hmm. a physical environment, um, but now just in a virtual, in a virtual way. Got it. Yeah. And so yeah, I noticed you had so on your on your registration um, promos. You know, the event was an hour, but then you did have a pre-show. So um, explain, well, you know, the purpose of the pre-show and um, what what that entailed. I know there was like a little podcast that you and Carlia did. So talk about the per the reason for the pre-show. Yeah. So this was a this this came from Rick, uh, our volunteer guy, who's done a lot. He was the expert on the team on this subject, and so he said, you know, when you know, a lot of people will, will jump on a little bit early um, mm -hmm. just so that if they have technical difficulties or they're trying to figure out where to go, it gives them a little buffer time, okay. um, similar to what you do on a Zoom meeting or whatever. Um, so while they're in the room, you have an opportunity to show them something or keep them entertained or try to teach them something. Uh, and so we, we made a little like pre-program for 30 minutes. Okay. Um, and it had a couple, it gave us an opportunity to highlight um, our, our newest initiative, which is our podcast, um, okay. that we're launching. It's, it's not out yet. It's launching on October 1st. Um, okay. so it's, it's called listen up the Stand Up for kids podcast. Love it. Uh, so we did a couple, uh, clips. So a little sneak preview clips of what that's going to be about. So that was in the pre-show. And then we did a, did it, we did a past video that was really moving, and then we did a clip from Kia. Mm -hmm. uh, Kia is one of our big corporate supporters that joined us in 2020, and they they did an awesome campaign around homelessness for the Super Bowl. Um, I remember. And yeah. yeah, so they have some really moving clips. So we took some of those, and we had some in the pre-show, and we actually had some in the in the official show as well. Okay, awesome. So yeah, no, no, I thought it was smart. Yeah, I, I hear that with a lot of people that it's people 
people are going to test out their technology and you kind of don't want them to figure it out right at the start of show because you want to get started at, you know, at that time. So I thought that was, um, that was smart. And then, so then into the show you, or into the agenda, um, you got to a fund the need. And I think this is the one thing that nonprofits are grappling over, like, how do we do that? How do we still make it fun and engaging and, and um, and encourage people watching to give. So you had a, a live person putting out the asks. Um, I noticed that as the money was being you know announced or coming in, she gave out thank yous. Um, what uh, you know? What was the thought process behind that? And um, did did you end up you know reaching the goal? Were there matches already? You know, were there kind of staged? givers already ready um tell us about that yeah so the i mean obviously one of you know it's it's an awareness event it's a showcase event it's a thanking event but it's also a fundraising event and so how are you going to actually make money um, so that we can continue doing the mission uh and yeah we definitely wrestled over exactly how how to do that um because in a in the physical version we would we always have a silent auction. Um, we typically have a live auction and we typically have a raffle. Um, and the, um, and so I guess I'll just explain what a fund need is for somebody mm-hmm. who doesn't know what that definition is, but it's basically uh, for a certain amount of money, um, yeah. you can do some sort of, you can make a tangible impact in a certain way um, that is defined by the, organization of the nonprofit. Uh, and so we, and you we had, had levels, like you had yeah, levels, had levels that were announced on ongoing, yeah. which I think was smart, you know, rather than just say, okay, who wants to give X, but really quantifying like what X would do for yeah. your organization. Yeah. And that's a key part of it is painting the picture on, Hey, here's exactly what this money will do to impact homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, so good. It was yeah. very successful. She did an amazing job. Um, she was, she kept her energy. It's hard when there's nobody in front of you. It's hard. It really is. Like I've, you know, I've done it myself and you, know, you live off of it, extroverts like myself, you live off of the energy of others and you get more excited when you see those paddles go up or when you see people giving. And so to just be standing there and like trying to get, people excited in their homes like it's hard it's very hard so she did a wonderful job kudos to her yes um, <laughs> and i'm sure everyone yeah. else is like sitting there like keep going keep going like you're doing good <laughs> yeah yep yep because i was in the room with her as she's going and i'm trying to direct comments yeah. and okay when do we move to the next price point and how like, let's keep it moving too um yeah so it ended up it ended up working out well um, we've been Good. wrestling with like, okay, if we're going to do this again, virtual, would we do it in the same pattern? Um, yeah. Yeah. So talk about that. What, what would you do differently thinking for any of the events, the, the, the run, the gala, anything that pops to mind really quickly? Like, what would I, what would you do differently? Yes. I mean the, so, I mean the $64,000 question is, would you go physical or virtual? If, yeah. <laughs> if COVID's gone there's arguments that, you know, maybe you stay virtual on some of these things and there are mm-hmm. pros to doing that. Um, yeah. 
and, and I don't think we haven't made decisions on the run or the gala for next year at this point. And obviously it's, it's really soon to, you know, COVID is still such a wild card and mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be a doom and gloomer, but in a year there's nothing, you know, you never know. Um, yeah. So we're, so we're, we're, we're kind of planning for, I think we're planning for physical events, but having it in the back of our mind that, Hey, if we need to go virtual, we know how to do it. Um, yeah, it's yeah, nice but, that reassurance now that like, okay, we've done it at least once and we can yeah. pivot. Yeah. Um, okay. And then on the, like the, the fund to need part, and uh, we, one of the things we talked about is kind of just sprinkling that chunk of the program, mm-hmm. just kind of feeding it over the course of the night. Um, so still having very specific price points about what this level of a donation will do for the mission. Um, but maybe not just devoting like X period of time to that and having the MC sort of continuously yeah. uh, bring that up. Um, and then as, if, as the live money comes in, still kind of having that sprinkle through as well. Um, so just, just kind of a, a sprinkling, I guess you could say. Yeah. Okay. And what about with your sponsors and donors? I mean, you, I mean, you had to have had some money already in for the April event. Did they stick with you for the virtual? Um, were they just kind of all into it? Yeah, that was actually a really refreshing thing. Cause that is one of the things like, Hey, you sponsored an event and that event is no longer, that event is in different. a, yeah, it's different. <laughs> So, but literally all of our sponsors basically said, Hey, this, the kids need it. You know, we're, we, whatever, whatever happens, happens. We're, we're good. Good. And so did they, so then did you just kind of change up their benefits package based on whatever they gave? And um, were you able to add new donors given that you're virtual? Because I've heard nonprofits come into this, this new funding stream because there is a different um, a different market out there for uh, individual or for companies that that lean into the social media and they're definitely all for you know their logo on the screen when this is happening. So did it open up any donor opportunities? I think it could. Okay. Um, I think in the moment we didn't fully uh i don't want to say that we didn't there was a lot of production and a lot of other things that were moving parts that i don't think yeah. we like leveraged ourselves in that way as much as we could have okay um, but there will there's definitely like you said there's opportunities to grow in that new way um, yeah. So, so yeah. There's so, yeah, there's new potential. It's, I mean, it's harder. Just, I think, I think most people would agree it's harder to sell a sponsorship in this virtual social media event versus a physical in-person event. Um, I mean, you could, you could pro and con that too, I'm sure. But yeah. I think it's just, it's, it's new. It's new. So I don't think companies are 
I don't know. And I may be under underestimating companies too, but in this new landscape, I don't know that they're ready to like, maybe it's not for us, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's my personal opinion that I think we, we have a higher likelihood of success with sponsorships still in the traditional physical space. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think um, I know, you know, there's been a couple of orgs I've talked to and, you know, there's just a, a, a new, a small tech company local that is, uh, you know, because we're in need of technology more or internet, um, you know, bandwidth that they just want to get their name out there and it's a prime time and it's been good partnerships. And so I always, um, I, I think there's always room for bigger partnerships and different partnerships when you, when you stretch yourself too into these different arenas. And this is definitely stretched nonprofits into a whole nother environment. And so I'm excited for what that could do. Uh, one last question as we kind of come to an end here. Um, what did this do then from a cost standpoint? So there's no venue, there's no food, there's no flowers. You said, um, what did it do for your net? In general, it's way cheaper to do yes. a virtual event than a physical. Uh, and I guess that is dependent, though, on the technology mm -hmm. access that you have. So if you're... Um, yeah, so I, I guess maybe what I said is not necessarily true. Um, mm -hmm. We happen to have a volunteer who ran right. our show that you might have to pay a lot of money for. Um, right. And we went relatively low tech on the video and audio. Okay. Um, so you could you could definitely ramp up the quality and you could pay a lot of money um, to get studio level clips and pieces and parts that could all add up to a, maybe, maybe it would be more money at the end of the day. But the yeah. way we did it and the volunteers that we had um, with us, basically we had to buy a few cords um, and that was most of the cost. We bought, we bought a microphone too. So it was, it was like really almost, almost $0. Um, and the, the physical space that we have done our past two galas in, actually we have a amazing donor who gave us the space and the catering for free for the last two years of that event as well. So um, they're similarly priced because we have really awesome supporters who right. provide those things. Um, Good. Well, that's win-win so, yeah. on both sides. So it, it sounds like maybe your net was even greater um, aside from, aside from uh, staff time, right? Cause I'm, I'm sure you spent more time figuring it out than you would have an event that you've done year over year now that you're just, it's like a, it's just a, a well-oiled machine, right? You know what to do, you know, the timeline, you, yeah. once you, once you set it up once it's set up for forever, unless with minor tweaks. Um, so I'm sure there was a lot more manpower needed here because new. It's a whole new thing, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, gotcha. Awesome. Well, any last final thoughts for those listening or that will listen about virtual fundraising? Any uh, words of wisdom as a development director? And now you can put this, you know, under your belt, right? Virtual fundraising. Yeah. <laughs> In the time uh, of COVID. I mean, so and, and doing the research for executing these events, I think you just got to not be afraid. Yes. Uh, like you, 
like you need to do something. Mm -hmm. um, so even if you, you're not sure on execution details, like your nonprofit needs you to do something. Yeah. So get creative and make it happen. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Get creative. Make it happen. I love it. I think that's the mantra of the year, right? And COVID against nonprofits. Uh, yeah, I agree. You just got to try it out. I mean, we're all we're all learning. I feel like this year, because of where we are, there's a bit more grace too in yes. trying stuff out and doing it. So I'm all for the craziest thought you've ever thought of because now's the time throw, throw it to, on the table, see what happens. Yeah. yeah now's the time to 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 do it and not feel bad about it because hey we're all figuring it out so might as well go as crazy as possible <laughs> yeah especially if budget if, if it's not too hard on the budget if right. it's a low if it's a relatively low risk thing you're trying out then what the heck yeah Awesome. Well, thank cool. you, Mike. It's been always a pleasure talking to you. Always a pleasure catching up. I, congratulations on all three events this year. Um, it sounds like it's been um, it's been obviously challenging as for everyone, but you guys have made the most of it. And I've been. You, you know, personally, having seen you guys. Um, by coming to the Hive and being a part of trainings that um, you definitely know how to utilize resources. So I know you've got a lot of volunteers behind your social media and marketing and now your events. So, you know, bravo to that. That um, volunteers are our lifeline. And I think you guys do a, an amazing job at leveraging uh, volunteers. So congrats. Yeah. Our volunteers are huge, so I want to thank them, too, if any of them happen to be listening. Um, yeah, we couldn't do what we do without them. And, and thank you, Victoria. I appreciate uh, appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate your yeah. your mentorship and support. So oh. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. Anytime. You guys are doing great work. Well, thank you, okay. and we'll talk to you, yeah. we'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thanks.